0: Amen. Why should he love any one of us so much? Praise God for his love. Praise God that he did love us so much. And that's the message that um, is always a burden for anyone up here wanting to give out a word from the scriptures because the scriptures tell of his love so much. And they're so clear. And when we're up here, what a burden it is to communicate that love because that love is real. So I pray that that happens today. That we'll see his love. Let us pray. What a question, Lord, that is that why you should love us so hopeless, lost sinners, rebellious. But that you would choose to love us so and prove your love by dying on a cross for us. May we get that message today, Lord. May it penetrate our hearts. May it cause us to act in a way that's befitting of such a cost that was paid for our lives to redeem us. And we pray that these words that will be shared today will be words that Come straight from your mouth into our hearts. And we love you in your name. Amen. I love the other song, Love Lifted Me. Think about that when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Uh, we'll start in 21. I was blessed by a brother who did a devotion in this section of Scripture. And then Adel went to chapter 5 a few weeks ago and talked about the the demon-possessed man. Same chapter. And as we go on to verse 21, we see a continuation of the story of love. He had just been asked to leave their region. And now he's crossing over to another region. Will be healed and live. so Jesus went with him. He said, "I'll go with you." A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. See, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And we're going to stop there. It starts with us. a story about a man who had a daughter who was dead. And Jesus said, I'll come and help you. And on the way there, he meets this woman. He stops for her. He has compassion. He has a purpose in mind. He's going to save a life, but he stops because he never stops without a purpose. And he never stops because he has so much love for all of us that he's always interested in those that are in need, that have a need for him. And So this is where he stopped. There was a woman that was in need. And we're just going to talk about three different points today. One of the points is life without Christ. And I want you to just think about it. What a life without Christ means when for her a life without Christ was was clear she had 12 years of bleeding and she was suffering much she was in a lot of pain a lot of suffering she had many treatments from many doctors she went to many doctors because she couldn't have her ailment solved she couldn't see a solution to her problem so she went on to many doctors and she spent all she had costing her everything it cost her all she had And she spent it all, but her condition only grew worse. Can we really get that? I can get that, personally, in my own life. I can get that. I can understand that. Spending all I have, just giving it all up, trying everything, trying this remedy, trying this remedy. And it costs us. Every time we try a remedy, it costs something. So we just expend ourselves and we give ourselves up. For remedies. And this woman did. She paid all she had. And it says that her condition only grew worse. And that's what happens. A life without Christ is a life that continually gets worse. It doesn't get better. We go to solutions. We go to the world. And we go and we try to find what will help. And it gets worse. It doesn't get better. And she experienced that. It's a life without Christ. It is a hopeless life, isn't it? And those here today that we have been saved, we have been rescued. And I love the song, Shackled by a Heavy Burden. Those who have been shackled by a burden, and I've been shackled by a burden. And I've been under the, the pain and suffering. And then my Jesus touched me and he changed me. But what happened was, is without Christ, I really know what it feels like to be shackled by a heavy burden, suffering. And that's this woman. And you know we think about a life without Christ and we have to look around to really understand what a life without Christ is is really like. You look around the world and aren't we really affected when we look around the world? Aren't we affected by it? We look around the world and I was just looking at some issues and it says the Pentagon issues a grim report on Iraq. News. Iraq casualties have risen 51%. The U.S. study says Sudan has launched a major offensive against rebels in war-torn dafar. That's the world. The Philippine leader wants political killings solved. NATO aircraft ca- crashes in Afghanistan. Al Qaeda called on non-Muslims, especially in the U.S., to convert to Islam and, and abandon their misguided ways, or else will suffer. What a religion that is to say, if you don't convert to us, you're going to suffer. As Christians, do we say that? Maybe we never say that to the world. You'll suffer because we will hurt you. No. There's a penalty that God will have on anyone that, that doesn't obey him. And we can't just get away from, from God's plan, God's rule, his, his life. That he expects from us, the world that he wants us to live, the life that he wants to give us. We can reject that and we'll have consequences for that. But we won't be in some and kill somebody or offer to do something violent to another religion because they won't convert. That's what they call religion. That's what they call godliness. What a religion that is, a catastrophe. If you don't convert, you will suffer because we will make you suffer. That's the news. Hurricane John whips Mexico in the Baja news. And we can go on, can't we? You know news. I can have everybody put their hand up and you can tell of another news story that you know about. Let me give you some interesting statistics. It says that the highest divorce rates in the world. United States is number three behind two countries that I, you know, I never even heard of. um, Polaris and. Maldives, I guess I should, but I don't. So no, we're number three. Interesting. We're talking about the, the number of billionaires in the world. The number of billionaires in the world. They looked at every country and, how, well, where are the top billionaires? Well, United States is number one. We have the most billionaires in the world. We have 269. The second best has not 29 we have ten times more billionaires in this country. But it's a country that prayer is gone from the school and there's no Christmas and there's no God. We have the money. We seem to have the success. Another kind of an interesting thing is we talked about people who the number of weekly hours spent watching TV. Kind of interesting statistic, but I figured I'd give it to you. We're number one, the number one developing country. Nineteen hours per week are spent watching TV. The highest prison populations in the world were second behind Russia. More females attempt suicide than males. More males succeed four to one. About three American teenagers contemplated suicide. It said the Internet poll by about.com indicate that 50 percent of teens visiting the web had considered it. Fifty percent of the, the young people who visit a web are considered suicide. Why? Because a life without Christ is a disaster. A life without the Savior is a lost life. It's a hopeless life. And the kids are telling us we're hopeless. What we're doing is we have all the money. And what we do is we spend time watching TV, looking to have our, our feelings, our thoughts tickled. We want to be excited by things outside of us because there's nothing inside. We're bankrupt inside. You know, it mentioned that suicide is the 11th leading cause of death in the United States. Suicide. Suicide means I don't want to live here anymore. We've got a lot of billionaires here. There's a lot of wealth, a lot of money. But I don't want to live here. Because it's a life without Christ. They can't live here. The strongest risk factors... For attempted suicides in adults are depression, alcohol abuse, cocaine use, separation, and divorce. People are hurting, aren't they? Life without Christ is a life that hurts. It hurts, and there's no remedy. And then one writer said the actual number probably is significantly higher because many suicides are recorded as accidents. Where are we? What is going on in this world? I did something years ago before I was saved. I was, I joined Suicide Crisis Line. I wanted to make a difference, so I joined the Suicide Crisis Line. And I actually took calls, and they trained you on how to take calls. And some nights I had what they call a triage. Well, you had to deal with two calls at once, sometimes three. So they taught you to hold the phone like this, and then you get another phone call. You hold it like this, and then you do this, and then you do this as you're talking to two people. You have to go back to one and then go to the other, and it was difficult. I couldn't give him any news. I could keep trying to say, well, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, but what's the reason why I can say don't do it? I couldn't give them, because you couldn't tell them about God, and I didn't know about God then. I didn't have the Lord in my heart, so how could I give them anything about the Lord Jesus Christ? I didn't even know him. So they kept calling, the hotline just kept ringing, and now it's ringing right now. Somebody is manning hotlines all around the world, especially in this country, and people are calling, saying, I need help. A life without Christ. I was reading Billy Graham, and he says, America is said to have the highest per capita boredom of any spot on earth. We know that because we have the greatest variety and greatest number of artificial amusements of any country. People have become so empty that they can't even entertain themselves. They have to pay other people to amuse them, to make them laugh, to try to make them feel warm and happy and comfortable. Just for a few minutes to try to lose that awful feeling, that awful, frightening feeling, that hollow feeling, that terrible, dreaded feeling of being lost and alone. He goes on to say that we cannot stand the terrible emptiness of ourselves. We cannot look at the lonely, desolate road that lies ahead. We are desperately weary of the hatred and greed and lust that we know are within us, but we are helpless to rid of them. And be filled with something better. A life without Christ. How does it look? Well that's how it looks. And this woman really experienced it. Another. I was reading another. It says that sin too has remained. Excuse me. Unchanged although man has done his best to alter it. We've tried to dress it up with other names we tried to alter it. we tried to call it errors, mistakes, poor judgment. But sin itself has stayed the same. Men are sinners, and the result of sin are still disease, disappointment, disillusionment, despair, and death. The results of sin are, sin are still the same. Disease, disappointment, disillusionment, despair, and death. Do we understand that God says, and he's been saying, I have a solution for you. I have a plan for you. I have a road map for you. I was driving around or walking earlier today and I'm kind of walking down a street and, and, and looking at the signs and paying attention to the signs and, and uh, following where there's a walkway and there's a light and the light's green and I you know, walk and the light's red and I stop and, and you think about it. And that's what our problem is and that's what our problem has been since the beginning of time. God has said, Okay, you've made a decision in the beginning of the book when we go back and we can read and we can read about Adam. Adam was told, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from the tree. Stop. We ate from the tree. And ever since then, we've been God says left. We go right. God says up. We go down. God has been giving us, and he's given us the book. He says, this is what I want you to do. I have given you the solution to your problem. It's in the Bible. I know that a life without me is a life of discouragement, disillusionment, and despair. I know. And I consistently and constantly beg and plead for you to come out of the darkness and come into the wonderful light. I I continually ask you, and he asked us today that question. Are we right now, is there anyone in here today that's living a life without Christ? Well I can say if you are that there's a heavy burden right now on you. There's despair. There's despair. There's disillusionment. You're shackled. Isn't it beautiful that God says consistently, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't have to do anything. And this woman experienced that. This woman, it says that she felt all the disillusionment and the suffering. And then the hands of Jesus touched her. She was touched. Calvary came to the rescue. A woman in desperation Suffering. She was really suffering. She was in a lot of pain. She was hurting. And then she heard about Jesus, and that really threw me because it says she heard about Jesus. She had actually tried all these doctors, and maybe she got a referral at one point to go see Dr. No. Go see Dr. Right. Go see Dr. Feel Good. Go see Dr. Such and Such. And she kept paying for doctors. And she kept leaving their place empty, unfulfilled, hopeless, worse. And she was at the end of herself. And you know, it's great because she heard about Jesus. I love my God, my Lord, my Savior, because He always wants us to hear about Him. Why? Because He loves us so much and He doesn't want us to be shackled by a heavy burden. He doesn't want us to be under the, the, the penalty of sin and despair. He doesn't want us to feel the pain and the desperation that comes from a life without Christ. He doesn't want us to live this life. And what did he do with this lady? He loved her. And somebody shared about his love for her. It says she heard about Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd. Because she heard about him, she realized, oh no, there's hope now. I've been suffering. I haven't had the solution to my problems. I'm still bleeding. It's constant. It's overflowing. And that's what sin is. It overflows. Our lives get worse and worse and worse. My life before Christ didn't get better. It got worse. It doesn't get better. As we try things... In this world, it gets worse. It continues to get worse. And it got worse for her. And worse. Then she heard of a man. The Messiah has come, somebody told her. Maybe it was a blind man. Maybe it was the leper. I don't know. But it was somebody who got touched by him. It was somebody that he affected their life. To the point where she had a different kind of faith. When you talk about great faith... She had great faith because it took faith to come up and crawl behind him and just touch his garment. And she, it says that she knew that if she touched his garment, she would be healed. That's faith. That's the kind of faith God wants us to have this morning. It says, all you have to do is just come up behind me, and just touch me. Just confess. Just repent. And I'll set you free. I'll remove the shackles. I'll remove the burden give you peace and that's what happened she said if i just touch his clothes i will be healed and then she touched him and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering it was immediate and then jesus asked like who touched me of course we know he knows who touched him don't we know that he knows the beginning from the end he knows the stars that out there, a billion planets away. He knows each one by name. He created them all. Does he know that this woman was touched? Yes, he knew. Because he rescued her. He saved her because of her faith. I love Dean He printed a flyer last month, and he had mentioned that the Lord Jesus had the touch. I like that. Lord Jesus had the touch, the touch. Jesus reached out his hand in Matthew eight three. it says, and he touched the man and he says, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. In Matthew 20.34, Jesus had compassion on them, on them, and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. In Luke, it says that the people all tried to touch him Because power was coming from him and healing them all. Because that's his business. Touching people. Healing people. Rescuing people. Setting them free. He said, that's my business. That's the business I'm in. Loving people into the kingdom of heaven. Can he love you into the kingdom this morning like he loved this woman? She heard about him and she responded. You heard about him and a lot of us have heard about him many times. Have we responded by touching him? The last point, because that was just the touch. The first point is a life without Christ. And we know what a life without Christ is. The world is experiencing it, and many lives are experiencing it. We've seen what the touch will do. The touch set her free. The touch gave her a new life. And then the third point is the price of peace. Before Christ, there was suffering, there was pain, there was hopelessness. After Christ, there was peace. it says but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus asked who touched me then the woman knowing what had happened to her and that's really blessed me when she said it says that she knew what happened to her no one can be touched without knowing that we're touched she knew it she knew it because God changed her life and it was clear to her Knowing that what happened to her, she came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. She said, I am a sinner. I was lost. I was burdened. I was suffering. I spent every penny I had. And then I heard about you. I heard about the Master. I heard about a man who knew all things. I heard about, about a man who was the Messiah. I heard about a man who could help me to relieve my pain and suffering. So I came and I touched you. And now I'll never be the same. And I know it now. I know what it feels like to be whole. I was shackled by a heavy burden. I was. But now I'm free. Thank you. And she gave a testimony that day. She preached to the crowd. She told him in Jesus, what a lovely what a wonderful God we have," he said. He said to her daughter, "Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." He says, "Go in peace. You have the peace of God now, and be freed from your suffering. Your suffering is gone. I've washed it away. It's gone." But you know what's really interesting? You know, after reading this, I said, "What? What? Why does she really come fearful? Why? Why did she just? Was she fearful?" Well, maybe because she didn't think she belonged there, but I think it was more than that. She paid everybody else. She didn't have anything to give, and she got the greatest blessing she could ever get. And she probably wondered, what do I have to pay for this? I paid the Dr. Johnson and Dr. Feelgood. I I gave them a lot of money. I got to the point where my last shekel... I gave it up to Doctor No. But Jesus, I have nothing to give you. I don't have anything to give you. And you just gave me the greatest gift,
1: what I've been longing
0: for. And you know what's beautiful? He said, You don't have to pay me anything. It's the gift. Take this gift. We know a great verse, Ephesians two, it says, "For the, by grace you have been saved through faith, and she had the faith, not of yourselves." And she knew that it was not of myself. I didn't do anything except crawl and touch. It is the gift of God. Salvation's a gift, isn't it? She didn't deserve it, she didn't earn it, she couldn't pay for it. All the money in the world she would have given for it, too. She would have given everything for it. But he said, no, my daughter, I paid the price. There is a cost, but I paid it. I'm on my way. I'm on my way to Calvary. I'm on my way to pay for this freedom that you have right now. I'm on my way to a cross to have people pound nails into my hand and my feet and to mock me and to spit on me and to beat me and to kill me because of you. I'm willing to do that for you. So there was a price paid the price of peace was the death on the cross. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve to die. She didn't deserve that. That day, she didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. When I came to him, I didn't deserve him to set me free. I didn't deserve it. Does anybody in this room think they deserve it? We didn't deserve it. We were hopeless, helpless, lost sinners with nothing to give that would really pay for the price of the life that we lived and pay the penalty of the sin. And he continues to offer the free gift. Isn't that beautiful? That he didn't stop offering the gift. He looks around at the world and he sees the condition of the world. He sees the condition of our lives. And he just keeps wanting to give us that love message. And I feel burdened that it's not given the way he wants it given because the Bible is so clear. The love in the scriptures are so clear how he loved us into the kingdom, how he loved us so much that he set us free. He says, I love you and I prove my love by dying for you just like he told the woman you don't have to do anything you can't pay for this and that's okay i'm paying for it i'm going to pay the price to set you free you know another point that was really hard to get is that she testified in front of a group she did she testified it says she said she it says it it says that she Told him the whole truth. This is who I am. This is what I was. This is who I am now. The whole truth. She laid it all out. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. I did this. I did all these things. And then the hand of Jesus touched me. She said it. And the crowd was listening. Did you hear anybody else that says that they were touched that day? different versions says they crowded around him so much that they almost crushed him well why wasn't somebody else touched they touched him how many have touched him by saying I believe in you I want you I accept you in my heart but they're still shackled by a heavy burden. Still under the pain and suffering of sin. I'd have to say there are people, definitely in many churches, and there has to be a few here, that have said they touched him. That they touched him. I, I asked Jesus into my life. I touched him. There were people who touched him that day and went home the same. They didn't go home different. And there are people here today I would have to just assume with a crowd this big, there are people who have touched him by confessing, I'm a sinner. But they're not like this lady knowing what had happened to her. They didn't know. They didn't feel the change because there wasn't a change. They still have the burden. They're still shackled. There's still shame. There's still sin weighing down on them. There's still a life that they can't really figure out why they can't get control of it. There's still a life that they're living that's a sinful life. That's a life without Christ. It's clear. She didn't suffer anymore. She was freed from her suffering. Because Jesus touched her and set her free and changed her life. Has he changed your life? Yes, you touched him. A lot of people touched him that day. It says, Many are called and few are chosen. Why? Because many say they touched him, but many haven't been touched. And the only way we know if we've been touched is our life changed. Is the burden of sin, the heavy burden, is it gone? Is the pain still there? Is the life of sin still there? If it is, we're still shackled by a heavy burden. We're under the weight of sin and despair. And then Jesus says, can I touch you? Can I touch you? Because if I touch you, you will no longer be the same. You know, I read a verse that I didn't remember saying. It's in Second Chronicles. It said in the, the 39th year in his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Are you still afflicted today? Still shackled by heavy burden? Jesus says, with the whole. The nail pierced hand, he says, just touch me. Confess. Repent. Because I don't want you to be the same. I don't want you to have the burden. I want to change your life. I want to give you a new life. Are we living the same life as when we touched him? It's not right. We're just like the other people who were there who touched him and never really felt the power of Christ in their life because they never got it. They never came to him in faith. She touched him with faith. She trusted him. She gave him her life. She confessed. She told him the whole truth. Tell him the truth today. Heavenly Father, we we praise God for a God that's interested in making us whole. A God that is able to sense and see our condition. And a God who loves us so much. That he wants to change us and remove the shackle, the sin, the burden, and free us. And Lord, we we thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would just come into our heart this morning, Lord. We ask that those that are here, Lord, that have you been touched? Are you truly Have you been touched by the Savior? If you've been touched, then your life is no longer the same. And if it is the same, Lord, please help them to see that it's the same. It's the same old life. The same old burden. The same old sin. And we ask that you would touch them this morning and make a confession today. And do like this woman did. Just tell the Lord the truth. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we pray that if there's anyone here today, that they will invite you into their heart. And they will be like this woman, that they will tell the world that the Savior rescued me today. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you would just bless us. And we love you in your name. Amen.